0: Everything has been a learning experience. Um, we wear everything. We wear everything that we learned this year is like a, a badge of honor that we kind of wear. We don't let it hang over our heads. We bounce back. We've been able to respond well all year. Um, so um, we're looking forward to the challenge. We got to embrace it. it you know, ain't no other way around it. Um, last game on our home floor for to kind of embody our whole season. You know, we're looking to to give it everything we got. Um, we, don't, we are not scared, we do not fear um, the go to State wars. We want to come out and just play the best version of basketball um, that we can. We know it's a good team over there. We know they've done it before, um, but we have all the belief in ourselves, so we're going to come out and, and leave it all out there. That's the, that's the whole intent. When you look at the big picture and you know we're, gar- we're defending well enough to win, that's really some stagnant lulls offensively that have really hurt us and you know, we'll have a quarter or two or three of really good basketball and then, uh, you know, have that quarter or two that really hurt us. And then, you know, that was fourth quarter, a few games ago. And
1: even last game, once we got the lead and what we did well, and just for the first nine, 10 minutes of the third quarter,
0: we had a few, a little bit of slippage at the end there that allowed them to get back into it. But um, for us, you know, we really want to focus on the offensive end, because I think we've guarded well enough to win. If you know, we talked about game four, if we finish the game off well, and not that five minute stint, we'd be in good shape.
2: And Mike, uh, game six NBA finals uh, in Boston tonight. And it's really a big day and night in Boston. The U.S. Open is here at the Brookline Country Club. You know Brookline very well. I don't know if you've ever covered anything at the Country Club, but you have that going on as we speak. As we speak. And then uh, tonight at the Garden, the Celtics. And just hearing those descriptions from Jalen Brown and Ime Adoka reminds me, I don't know if I ever told you about a college roommate I have. I had. Uh, way back at the Point Park College days when it was still Point Park College now Point Park University shout out Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but he was a baseball player. He was a pitcher and I remember coming back to the room one time and uh, he was a little down. I was like, hey, Frank, what's up, man? He was like, yeah, you know, coach is tripping. So why? Yeah, man, you just pulled me from the game. He said, you know, I gave up a little bleeder gave up a little single eye, you know, CNI single. That's a little double just out straight, you know, center fielder almost got it hard hit ball. uh, Umpire tripped on that like dude. You gave up six runs (laughs) in like a inning and a third and you make it sound a lot better than it actually is. And so hearing email Adoka say, hey, you know, we've been defending well enough to do this and Jalen Brown talking a good game. It all sounds good in a press conference, but ultimately are the Boston Celtics going to be that team when the NBA finals are over losing in six games. If it comes to that saying, you know what? We were right there because I know a lot of teams talk like that after they lose championships, especially, you know, a six game series or seven game series. Hey, we were right there. Anything's going to go on the other way. Uh, okay, great. That's what happens in the finals. And if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, it's not like Justice will work itself out, and and your day will come. No, if you don't, if you miss your opportunities in the finals, you know what that means? You missed your opportunity, and it could be fatal. So we'll see what happens tonight. I still think the Celtics will pull this off, but
0: okay. they I need to good. start
2: playing the way they're talking.
0: So that's all I was going to ask you. Uh, when we last talked about this series on Wednesday, you were feeling real froggy. So I was going to ask you, if you were ready to go? <laughs> no. froggy. I was going. I, I was gonna ask if you were ready to jump. So, when you say Celtics gonna <laughs> yeah. pull this off? Do you mean do you mean just force a Game Seven by winning in Boston tonight, or do you mean pull it, it off to, by winning just the tonight. series? I'm oh, only committed to the tonight. Yeah, got it. One step at a time, baby. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and yeah, I know that it? this series and that's a smart way to go about it. This series uh, has made people look foolish for predictions um, and, and proclamations and grand proclamations about who the better team is and how many games going to win. I mean, like, oh, how are they going to win? Like, it's just, it's not, the, it's not the series for that. Having said that, <laughs> at the risk of putting oh, my foot in my hey, mouth, again. I'm going to jump um, in there. Let me jump in. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, and at the risk of being accused of being, uh, I think what, what did you call me the other day? The Guardian of the, of the Warriors Galaxy or something to that effect. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. that's it. And I'm not. I, like I just that. picked the Warriors. I just well, I was clever. Yeah, okay. I just I just picked the Warriors in seven. Um, but okay. if but at the risk of sounding like the Guardian of the Warriors Galaxy and I think you might, with, want, you with, you might want your, to go
2: Warriors in six.
0: Well, I am going to I am going to pick the Warriors to win tonight. But before I get there, okay. and and, and what Emmy Odoka and and Jalen Brown and others have said going into this series and throughout this series, I think feeds into what I'm about to say, which is that shocker. I don't think the Warriors get enough credit and I'll, I'll explain what I mean to the point where there are actually conversations going on right now about the cash that they have spent to keep this team together to keep their own players. Okay, or in the case of Andrew Wiggins to acquire a player that Minnesota didn't want so badly they want to get rid of him that they threw in a first round pick that became Jonathan Kaminga, but they don't get enough credit to the to where they're being criticized for the cash that there's that they've spent to keep their core together. They don't get enough credit. They're seen as such a their style is so celebrated until I think their substance gets Ooh. gets underrated. Well, I think well, they the the, the glitz good. and glamour Gets so much attention until the grit and grind doesn't get enough respect. And I know going into the series, I I I don't I don't want to misquote you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like you thought that this matchup favored Boston. This matchup favored Boston because Boston was the was the more physical. They're obviously bigger. Okay, great. Look, so I okay. Yeah, I said all that stuff.
2: I, right.
0: And, the, and you weren't no, alone. Have to read the
2: transcript. You weren't alone. Don't even read the transcript. I said it
0: all. I said but, it. But but you, are, you weren't you weren't alone. You were not alone. I think the warriors And I, and,
2: and with the exception of Draymond war. you I would say I'm not alone cuz I don't want to put it in the past tense yet. I don't want to put it in the past tense. It might be in the past tense after tonight. Hey, you you thought this and look what happened. It could be you think this and here we are in game 7. Well, what you think play out in game sure. seven, because
0: I still it, it could I it, still feel it good. could it could manifest itself. Okay, what the hell's going and, on. And I think, think, I, think and, and, and my yeah. issue was always that I thought then and I think now that you weren't respecting the gangster of Golden State. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say that way, Like You were you weren't respecting yeah. how physical they could be. You weren't you and others have not been respecting how good a defensive team they are, even when it comes down to just the narrative around the series, it still just strikes me. I, and, and listen I, I, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm sensitive, you know, uh, maybe it's the beige rage on behalf of the splash brothers. I don't know. Say what you oh, want. Boy. But oh, man, maybe <laughs> you going straight, Benny Goodwill. No, now. I, I, you know what I'm saying? But maybe, but maybe, I, maybe I'm, I'm hearing what I want to hear. But I just hear a lot of, oh, the Celtics aren't playing as well as they could. And if they handle their business, this would be a different series. Or the Celtics are giving this series away as opposed to Golden State taking it. I mean, like, it's not just the Celtics are sloppy right. with the basketball and just throwing it away. The Celtics are forcing these mistakes. The Celtics are forcing them to come. I mean, excuse me, the Warriors are forcing the Warriors, these mistakes. Yep, yep. The Warriors are forcing the Celtics to come apart. That experience uh advantage. Is manifesting itself it, itself when times get tough and when the moments get tough. That's the one thing I don't like. Though. I just
2: I don't like the. Experience. I just don't think the. I, I, I agree with everything okay. you're saying there, except the experience. It's not necessarily experience. You know, it, it's what you're saying. I mean, let's just
0: stay on brand. What well, well, the only it's reason the I say experience? Of, we're not even talented. The only the reason talent. I say experience though is maybe yeah. well, but Boston's very talented. But maybe the experience factor comes in. And I'm not just simply saying like the moment is I'm too big for Boston. No, no no Warriors. no no no. Four seasons. Right, but I don't think they're, they're talented I don't think
2: enough to make them turn the ball over is what I'm saying.
0: Yes, yes, that too. But Boston, but that I don't think they're necessarily more talented than Boston. The only reason I invoke experience though, Michael, is from the standpoint of, and maybe you don't buy into this and it's, maybe this is an excuse. Do you, do you think there's something to the fatigue factor? Because I mean, Jason Tatum has played a lot of minutes going back to the summer. M.A. Udoka talked about fatigue a lot. In the last couple of days between Game Five and leading to Game Six, do you think that there's a fatigue factor at play here? And that's where the experience of having been through this grind may benefit Golden State. Is what I meant by experience. Not that Boston's like, oh my God, we're in the finals and what do we do? Like, no, not that. I mean, like having your body and mind having fought through the emotional and mental and, and physical fatigue that comes with the finals.
2: I'm a big believer in mind over matter, so. If fatigue is a factor, they better. They better dead dead real quick. Okay, you better get out of that and I always feel always feel some kind of way when somebody in their 20s talks about being tired. Uh, okay, you, <laughs> you got the athleticism and you got the force and all this stuff. You're all this stuff and that Golden States not so figure it out and I know mental fatigue Golden State has mental fatigue too. every everybody in this position every championship team in this position is worn out because they've given so much, they've sacrificed something, they've been they've been through triumphs, uh individuals, they've
0: if not teams. Consecutive have, seven game grinds have Boston have been
2: has. humiliated along the way too. That that's happened a lot in, in the finals. Okay, Golden State yeah. lost by, you know, fifty uh, they we're down by fifty something were losing. middle. Yeah, lost by thirty nine came yeah. back and yeah. You know, Gary Payton Jr. They had to deal with that that uh, situation yeah. where he's out of the game and Steve Kerr right. is going back and forth with Memphis like they've been through so many things Miami and Boston Milwaukee and Boston both right. teams have been through a lot. So mentally you just got you just got to fight through it physically. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I just don't want to hear it from Boston. Yeah.
0: You're well, are so, way, either way when you, when, you when, you it, <laughs> when you have fought through it when you have fought through it I think that, that it's easier to do so. But going back to my prediction for tonight is I think the conversation tomorrow and into next week is going to be about it's gonna it's gonna be rankings. That's what we do after the finals. We do have to, after championships. The yeah. champagne ain't even dry and still champagne soaked. It's I, I think got a thought will immediately that shift on. to Steph Curry. No, we don't have to get into it necessarily. I just want to say I I think the Warriors close it out tonight. I had Warriors in seven. I think they go where, you know, as well as anybody, how Boston is a place where lots of legends have been made. Lots of legends mm-hmm, have, have, have have fortified themselves on, you know, on that parquet floor and under those rafters with all those jerseys and those numbers, and I think these Golden State Warriors, not the young upstart 73 win Golden State Warriors, not the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors, which you have said is the most talented collection of players you've ever seen, but best, best team this I've ever seen. Right, this new iteration yep. of Warriors is going to go in and stand toe to toe with this physical upstart Boston team, and we're going to be talking about where does Steph Curry rank all time, both in terms of point guard and greatest player. Where, do this, where does this Warriors dynasty rank? We're going to have all kinds of uh, you know hypotheticals. Warriors versus what? Same as we did when they had Durant. Would this Warriors team like that's after tonight? Because I think they go in and they make a statement. About their culture tonight in Boston, you know what? So, which i lot and I'll of say people it, made, uh, made a name there.
2: I, I And, and that, just on that point, I'll, I'll, I'll make these points as the music as a music plays. I mean, it's amazing how many things have happened there. Jordan, 63-point game. Jordan was LeBron there. Game Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson yeah. with the baby hook uh, in Game Five, Celtics-Lakers. That that was there. LeBron James, LeBron, 2012. Yeah. having one of the great playoff games of all time. That's there, yeah. you know, so the shootout between Dominique Wilkins and Larry Bird.
0: Kobe so got, we'll it, see, got uh, a championship there, you know, yeah, yeah, that's something special about winning it in Boston and a game seven. Nobody nobody's to tell the Warriors anything could happen in a game seven. So mm. even though the desperation is on the side of the Celtics to try to close out the series. I think Boston matches or try to extend the series. I beg your pardon. Boston wants to extend it. I think Golden State will match that intensity. I don't think they come out and lay an egg and just say, okay, we got we got game seven at home because you don't want that smoke with Boston speaking Not of one egg,
2: but but to turn it around Mike Smith, maybe Golden State doesn't lose it tonight. Maybe. Boston <laughs> wins it.
0: Full circle. Speaking of one yeah. smoke. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Here's my list. I just went to 10. Oh boy. Now, I'm glad you started off by saying, Oh boy. I'm just going to let you react and pick apart mine the way I yeah. slash we picked apart Chris All right. Top five. Here we go. Oh, my, ones, God. oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh, well, like, oh, come I'm on. not trolling. Come on. I am not trolling. I am not trolling. Where, where, where do you want to start? Number one. One. Really? You got a problem. You got a problem with number one? And the greatest right now until further notice. What about Tom Brady says that he's falling off his lofty perch? He is still the most feared person with the ball in his hands. I don't care if he can't run from here to there in less than ten seconds. With the ball in his hands, still the most feared person in the league. (laughs) All right. You had a whole week to think about it. Your turn. Let's
2: go. Let's go to the top 10. I listen. I want to start a conversation here, Mike. I want to get a conversation going. There's number 10. First of all, the quarterback from brother from another Derek Carr. Give him his flowers. Give him his papers. Give him his his certification. Give him the blue check mark. Whatever you want to say. Derek Carr finally makes it to the top 10. I heard Chris Sims talking about this. Hey, before Tom Brady retired, he was 10, but now he's that, that back to 11. No, 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 no. Derek Carr's a 10 and a notable absence. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson right. notable absence. Okay, no, not talent. Okay. Gotcha. All right. it's the whole situation. I don't know. Okay. I just don't know. Okay. So it's your I'm gonna, list. i am put him in it's a special your, category. It,
0: it's your list. You do what you want with your logic, your list. You do what you want.
2: And then, you know, before I get to the top five, I want to say six over seven and six over seven mm-hmm. and eight. All right, look, Joe mm-hmm. Burrow went to the Super Bowl last year. Justin Herbert incredible year. I feel like this list for me, and I don't know how you look at it, Mike, is it's just trying to balance you got three things going on. It's not two trains running, it's three trains running. You're trying to project okay, mm-hmm. what that guy is going to be in 2022. You want to give some love to what they've accomplished in the past, and then you just want to look yeah. be in the moment right now. What right. are they?
0: All right. Where you got? So, yeah.
2: I look at Lamar Jackson I'm like man Lamar Jackson. has got an MVP. He was an MVP when he's 23 years old. Yeah, I know he's never taken his team to the Super Bowl, but he's done more individually. And look at his numbers. His, he's done more individually than both Burrow and Herbert. So I just feel like Lamar Jackson needs a little put uh, respect
0: on his name. You putting respect on his name. yeah. I, and I, res- I, I respect you putting respect top. on his name. All I'm saying real right. quick. Is that the fact that you struggle with six over seven. When the Bengals beat Jacksonville this year. I said it would not be long. Before yep. the Bengals had the best quarterback in the AFC North. And I got roasted yep. for that. Yes. Just saying. Just saying. And maybe All right. that's why we top, top five. Maybe
2: it really should be Burrow six. And Jackson 7, but I just know I'm fine no, I'm with tripping. it. I'm tripping. I'm fine I'm tripping. with that. I'm tripping. I'm with I'm that.
0: tripping. <laughs> hey, look. <it's>, and yeah. <laughs> hey, Lamar, by the way, quick, quick bit of news. He said today that he intends to be a Raven for a long time. They've talked contract, whatever that means between Lamar and the team probably an exchange offers, but nonetheless, sounds good. Come right, on. Right, let's get to the fight five. now. Here's
2: it. Let's 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 fight. Here I'm not going to. Okay. All right. Mahomes one. Josh Allen, too. I, remember, I told you last week. I said, you better get it. You better put some of these young guys in there. Mm-hmm. And how about the forgotten Bronco? The forgotten horse? Russell Wilson. At number five, like Russell Wilson has an so, injury in Seattle. And it's almost like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's Russ. He was in your top 10, maybe. Or was he not?
0: He was not. He was, he was not, not in top my top 10? 10. He was not in my yeah, top 10. Yeah, I mean. Russell Wilson. He was not in my top ten. I,
2: I know, I know Tyree uh in his in all of his uh, hyperbole, said Tua to Tunga vailoa is that dude. That's pretty funny, uh, but in in reality, no. Russell Wilson is that dude. Russell Wilson is that dude. By number five, uh, is Wilson, and then Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. Brady gets the edge over Rodgers because of accomplishments. That's it. Uh, you know, we got the MVP, two-time MVP versus a seven-time Super Bowl champ. You got to give respect to these guys. But I think right now, right now, the two best quarterbacks in this league right now are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. They they are so, setting a standard right now.
0: Okay. Can and Mahomes has
2: hardware. Mahomes has hardware. He too. does.
0: Yes. Can I, I jump in? Yeah, yeah. Come okay. on. Come on. I have less of a problem with your list, which sucks, than I do with you. (laughs) As usual, I got a problem with you. We just played the clip. We just played the flashback. You were like, oh my God. Oh my God. Your number one is Tom Brady? You got him third. I mean, he's right there. He's third. Third You got like I committed some atrocity. Versus third. You got him third! He's like that. Stay right he, there. So I'm not gonna argue with you. If you want to those be- four. <laughs> I had Brady Rogers one, two, you got him three, four. So you got, I'm not even gonna argue with you one and two. That's fine. I don't mind. it. You know, if you want to copy off of Chris Sims' homework, be my guest. No, actually, his reverse. Oh, is this Sims oh, is Allen? Oh, no, have Sims that? is Allen and then Mahomes. No, no, he got Allen and then Mahomes. We're gonna talk to Sims okay. later and talk about it. Talk about his right. shitty list later. No, I'm just kidding. Right. No, but all right. Listen, I don't. I don't I'm, your top ten is like it's it's credible. That's, all jokes aside, I'm fine for the most part with your top ten, De- leaving out the Watson. I thought he we both had Justin year. Herbert
2: at eight. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, okay. leaving out the Desha- leaving out uh, Deshaun Watson. I don't. I don't, it doesn't bother me. For Derek Carr did not bother me. Deshaun hasn't played in the year, and, and I was just talking about the quarterback. They yeah, got to play the obviously game. A hey, lot hey, going hey, on. You Got to be on I the got feet. it. I got it. My biggest gripe, and one somebody got to go. I don't know whether it's Carr, Prescott. Russell, I don't care. You continually, no matter how much you claim to have come around, how much you claim to now realize you were wrong, you and your boy, Jason Johnson, Mr. Uh, Stack, Patford <gasps> or Pat Stafford, whatever. How do you leave out a dude it's that just won the okay. Super Bowl? Oh, you just forgot? See, listen. You forgot about the game? It ain't I, been that it, long since he had it a game it's when he dropped the Super
2: Bowl. It's my you bad. Forgot you know forgot man. actually? No, no. You had a single I got to recalibrate because I wrote down. And and Gary can be my witness, my text witness. I said, the only person I'm missing, I think, is Deshaun. And I said, that's intentionally. Am I missing anybody? And I did this whole list out, and I did it by division. I put Matt Stafford's name down, and I totally forgot to put him in there. So uh, I'm going to have to take (laughs) Derek. Sorry, Derek Carr. (laughs) Derek Carr, bruh, sorry, man. I love you. I love you. I really do. I love you. Do we have interviews. a Do have a telestrator?
0: Do we have a telestrator? Because I mean, right, somebody like put like get a and like, we scratch it out? So, so you Derek out. Carr out, and Stafford yeah. goes to ten. Stafford Staff- is only but ten, I mean, or Stafford has Stafford's to be in the top ten. Stafford. I may mean, have
2: to recalibrate. I think it feels right. for the so a whole. you had a whole week to high. get this.
0: For the record, everybody, Michael had a whole week to do this. And still, they get it right. <laughs> no, I had a whole week to do yeah, it. You about to oh, re- no, no, you you're revising it now. What? You know
2: me. You know me better than anybody. I had a whole week to do it. So when did I start? <laughs> Ten minutes ago. <laughs> 20, Twenty minutes ago. Today. 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 Okay.
0: Yeah. Deadline. Always pushing the deadline. That's me. Always on deadline. Um, so. Although I don't yeah, blame yeah. you because I, I, tomor- I we- tomorrow. Tomorrow you may have a different list. I'm looking at mine, I'm like, hmm. Like it's it's it's, it's hard. It's a hard I exercise. think all y'all though, can I
2: criticize, can I be critical of you and Sims? I think you both have Stafford too high because of recency bias. Like he is nope. he's always been Not. a top 10 quarterback. He's always been a top 10 guy. He's a top 10 guy who won a Super Bowl. And so now you got him at five. It is okay. Is Matt Stafford one of the five best quarterbacks in this league?
0: Wow. Yes. That's not recently biased for me. I was always a Stafford guy. I've been a sta- I was Stafford guy in Detroit. I was a Stafford defender in Detroit. I was a Stafford defender when they traded for him. Everybody, you know that. Everybody who watched the show, listen to the show, knows that. Been a Stafford defender. He went. Oh, he can't win a playoff game. One with one. one a few of them. one four of them. Yeah, that's right. In one postseason, including the big one, which. He had a significant hand in throwing no look passes out this mug to win the Super Bowl. Mm. So I don't think it's not recently biased for me. He was always a star. Y'all just didn't know it. Willie B. Sunday,
3: you know,
2: if I'm going to if I'm in a draft if I'm if, if, if it's just a draft of quarterbacks, we're going back and forth around the league. If Matthew Stafford comes off the board the draft before Joe mm-hmm. Burrow and Justin Herbert and for you Deshaun Watson. Like, okay. But see, that's wow. different,
0: though. That's different. See, now you're talking about, like, who you want to start a team with. That, that, that. Okay, that's complicated. You know, like, it's the same reason we have, both of us had Brady over Rogers, just like respect. I can't, the dude just had a game winning drive in the Super Bowl. If I was starting a team, you yeah. know I love Joe Burrow. I mean, I probably take Joe Burrow if I'm building a franchise, but I got to give respect to the dude that just won the Super Bowl. Tiebreaker. Yeah, you are, you
2: are, you're, you're giving him a respect by putting him a six, seven, eight, not at five. But, you know, it's just a quibble. You got you to gotta make up differences with a, with a list like this because
0: everybody's so close. Oh, 100%. You can start reaching.
4: you surprised at all that Tyreek said some of the things he said?
1: Um, I mean, it's, I, I, I'm surprised a, a little um, just because I feel like we we love Tyreek here. We've always loved him. We still love him. I saw him out at Formula One in Miami um, and everything like that. But... Um, I mean, I'm sure it had something to do with trying to get his podcast some some stuff and get it rolling, um, but uh, definitely I still love Tyreek. He's one-of-a-kind player, um, but uh, as you know in Coach Reed's offense, it takes the whole team. I mean, this offense was rolling before I got here. This offense was rolling when I was a young Cowboy fan watching the Eagles beat up on the Cowboys. So, I mean, it's a, it's an offense that's more than one player, and that includes myself.
3: Did you talk to him at all about
1: it? I haven't talked to him since the podcast um, came out, but, I mean, I talked to him in Formula One in Miami in May, um, and everything seems
0: fine. Tyreek Hill trying to get them Sims unbuttoned numbers speak of the devil That's right. and he shall appear Chris Sims. We've been hey. talking about you <laughs> since last week. Um, good to see you brother. Uh, so let's do it this way. You have revealed your top four since our last conversation. Michael and I have each done top 10 lists, which we will invite you to shit on in a second. But first, The the top four, like, I ain't tripping off your top four. I kind of, I know you, so I knew it was going to be Josh Allen and this elimination, I figured it'd be Mahomes. I got to imagine that you struggled. We'll get to our list in a second. But I got to imagine that you struggled with Herbert over Burrow. Or did you?
1: It, It was close. It really is close. Now, I think that, no, I think when I definitively came out of it, I looked at it a little bit like, okay, here we go. We got Josh Allen and Mahomes. They're in, to me, their own little tier, okay? I'm going to say that right off the bat. And then came the Herbert Burrow, Aaron Rodgers conversation, which to me was very tough to differentiate through that. There was. But Herbert, to me, the big thing is, you know, again... I don't know, to me, he's the best, best. if the pocket's clean, he's the best thrower of the football in the NFL. He just, he hits the bullseye and can make every throw in the world when things are clean, let alone when people collapse on him. He's so big, he can throw over the line of scrimmage, people hang on him, he's great there. Now, where he's not as good as Mahomes and Allen, Uh, is, you know, the awkward throws, the body being in an awkward position. He's not as good as getting into backyard football maybe as he should be for as athletic as he is. I think that's something he's got to get better at. But I think the the main thing that I came away with when it was to Herbert and Burrow was I just went, oh my gosh, Herbert makes so many game-changing throws every football game that you you, we've we become desensitized to it because he makes it look so easy and so good. So it wasn't easy there, mm-hmm. but I think, I do. I think Herbert deserves to be three. Burrow's the man, nipping at his heels at, uh, heels at number four. Rodgers at five, and I told you a little bit last week why that is. The 49ers yeah. is a microcosm of Aaron Rodgers. It went on throughout the year, too, with con- two conservative in moments, letting teams crawl back into the game when they should not have and there was chances to put them away, it just didn't come back to bite them in the butt like it did against a playoff team that was as talented as his team. You can get away with that in the NFC North against the middle class, the lower class of the NFL. And to me, that's where Burrow and and Herbert separate themselves from Rodgers right now.
0: Yeah, but see, the thing about Burrow – Okay, so basically what you're saying is, if I could deduce from everything you're saying, like, like if you had the 2020 yeah. draft all over again, you're taking Herbert over Burrow. Um, or even now, if you're starting a team, you're taking Herbert over Burrow. I mean, like, yeah, you said it. Barely, is yes. The thing, well, yeah, but right. the thing about Burrow, man, I, you know, and you know, I don't know if he told you this when yes. you visited with him. I, I, don't, I don't know how you guys had worked that out. Was it awkward at all? Uh, but, <laughs> but the thing about Burrow is it's rarely clean for him. And a dude just came off a of season which he completed 70% of his passes and, t- and took a team to the Super Bowl. It's like, I love Justin Herbert's traits. Who doesn't? How can you not? But he hadn't done anything with all due respect. It's like at a certain point, doesn't the the, you know, again with Stafford like we talk, you and I both agree on like once you start to kind of like take a team where it hasn't gone before in three decades, that's got to count for something, let alone Burroughs. Like, it, it does the Burroughs package. You I know
1: No, no, no doubt. It does. But, you know, again, so we've had two years in the NFL and, you know, you want to say Burrow won last year or whatever. And I would say, no, Burrow maybe won the last few weeks of the year where he really came on and then had the playoff run. But damn, I mean, the Chargers and below average defense, no run game and just hey go for it Justin Herbert and we're just going to put it all on you too i don't think you can disqualify that and what he does no, there now your no, point no. with no and your but your point with burrow listen it, that is real you know that's again him, that's and, him, like, and with the, how burrow i, I evaluate right this. there
0: like chris Chris, how you got me a three, dog? How you gonna put Herbert? That's that you try to explain it to him right there, right? That's, you try to. Right. <laughs> he knows he was in the top four, and
1: that, I think that was he was happy enough with that. And like I said, it, it, it's close. Herbert's uh, uh, Herbert is not as good as Joe Burrow in the pocket. To your point, Joe is mm-hmm. arguably the best in the pocket in football, and he's slippery as can be. There's no doubt about that, and he is accurate. But I don't sit here and go, "Ooh, I think he's more accurate." than Justin Herbert. I'm going to call that a push. His offense gotcha. lends itself to maybe a few more short passes and things that allow him to get the numbers up in the completion percentage department. And if there's a, an issue with Herbert that I would say is a little bit of a negative, is all, like all really big-arm quarterbacks, he's always looking at like, I can squeeze it in there. That first guy's going to come open by half an inch, and I'll fire it in there. But uh, to me, yeah. these four guys at the top are the future of the Wh- league Wh- and hairs. phenomenal football players that ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Exactly right. You're splitting well, hairs with this group.
2: Well, well, Brother Sims, I have uh on my top ten list, I have Josh Allen at number two. And that that's appropriate for a Buffalo Bill, because they're used to being runners up, but not really being the champions. Um, but you've got you've got Josh Allen. I, I thought that was can't good. Come on, Mike, hard. that's a good line. You can't help
0: <laughs> Well, oh, okay. I guess that's that's better than he's just not that good. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> you were saying? Okay, come on. Continue. <laughs> All right.
2: Uh, and look, hey, Phil Sims knows about Buffalo. Phil Sims knows about the Buffalo Bills, and Chris Sims, the whole Sims family. Y'all got a ring, off the off the Buffalo Bills. All right. So look, um, you put Allen at one though, and I think he is. He should be two based on his talent, but I give Mahomes the edge because of what he's actually done what he's accomplished. He has hardware. His team has always been uh, in the conference championship game. Why, do you, why is Allen the best quarterback in football on your list?
1: Well, that, that's where, you know, again, I'm not going into the career achievement. I, as a totality career-wise, yes, Mahomes is greater than Josh Allen. I understand that. Mahomes has not played as good a football as Josh Allen the last two seasons. Alright, that's the first thing I would say. And don't forget. The last two Mahomes, seasons, you said? I mean this the last the last two, two seasons, yes. The year before when Ooh. they went to the AFC NFC championship game, yes, Josh Allen had a better year. And, and really all categories. He did. You know? So I but I but I also in that year went, man, Patrick Mahomes got to the Super Bowl with some of the worst pass protection I've ever seen, and we didn't even care about it because he just made magic happen. That was close two years ago. Last year was Mahomes one, Allen two. Here's where I would say it, it, it split for me when I went back and I watched the season and do all that. First off, Josh Allen, Mahomes' arm, uh, I think Allen's arm is actually more explosive than Patrick Mahomes. Now, I don't know if it's quite as creative and the sidearm and all the deliveries. I'll give Mahomes the, the, the advantage there. You know, as far as you know, running... They're both good runners. Josh Allen's the second best runner in football other than Lamar Jackson. There's nobody better at running the ball than than Josh Allen. Scrambling, running, whatever it is, it's really special. But the biggest thing I think where he separated a little bit this year would just be from the pure in-the-pocket decision-making. Don't forget, we went through a middle part of the year where Patrick Mahomes played very average football. He did. And was not good at the pocket and lend himself into a lot of sacks and trouble that made his offensive line look like they were the issue. And I want to go, no, it's you. You're floating backwards and backpedaling for no reason, you know, to the side with the pockets perfect or he's running out of the pocket and not stepping up when it's perfect. And then of course some of the decision making as well that we talked about during the year. And I know Tony Dungy and I broke it down on Sunday Night Football a few times where it was just too greedy. It was too, I'm looking for the big play all the time. And that's why they started off in a bit of a slow start was, you know, there was people open. There was there, things there to be had, and he was trying to make too much happen. And I feel like Josh Allen played the position a little bit more true to form this year, made every bit as many plays with his arm and more plays with his legs, and does not have the supporting cast on the offensive side of the ball Patrick Mahomes has. That's not even close. It's not even arguable.
0: You know what? It, it, it hit me. It's hit, it's hit me during this conversation. You know, how you could be, you know yeah. be at the gym and you could be next to somebody and y'all on the same machine during the same doing the same workout, but not really like y'all ain't doing the same thing. You might be doing the same exercise, but not the same way. It just hit me like these lists that all three of us have done. We're, do, we're doing completely different exercises because That's right. That's right. I got Brady number one, but like listening to you just now break down yours and correct and stop me if I'm not if I'm not describing this right. This is a technician's list. This is who plays a position. This is an expert looking at film for you. This is an expert looking at film how somebody executes the quarterback position style of play consistency mechanics arm talent, whatever you want to call it. This is like how they play the position. I'm just looking at it more from a like, yo, who I want quarterback in my team. And so for yeah, Brady's number one you. for me. I know I know that makes you throw up in your mouth, but Brady's number one no, for me. No, it doesn't. Not, <laughs> yeah. Not, not, yeah. not because he's as special as the other guys are, but because yeah. I refuse to disqualify him or, or 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 reduce him based off like, oh, well he's got protection, he's got great receivers in an ideal world. They all would none of them particularly like pressure. Most of them when you get in their face, they're not as effective for the most part. Joe Burrows of the world aside. So a Brady for me is the dude that I would imagine defenses fear the most with the ball in his hand in the game on the line. And it's not ju- just what he's done in the past. It's what he's capable of doing now even at 44 years old and then Rogers for me is number two because I got to put some respect on a two-time MVP's name. He's still just as good as ever. Has he faltered in the playoffs? Yes. As 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 you know, all of it's not on him. He needs a line, he needs part of, he needs the blame, you know, his, his line share of the blame. But, you know, I don't need to tell you how exceptional he is. So I think what I realized, and last week I was just in such shock at some of the rankings, is like you were doing it strictly from a how somebody plays the position perspective, as opposed to, mm. well, who do you want, who do you want on your team? Who would you draft? You know, what's he done for me lately. Those are different. different. None of that stuff. None of that stuff is like. No, it's all right
1: now, where we are right at this second. We're all in the same offense. We don't have the advantage of, oh, I have the best team or the best offensive coordinator around me. And then I go into, yes, physical ability, decision-making, smarts, you know, pocket Mm -hmm. presence, and then your effect on the team. Brady is amazing. I mean, he is. There's no doubt about it. I get that, but I don't think the league was as scared as Brady in 2019. Brady with that team, if it was late in the game, they were going to take oh sh- they, right. were gonna, they were going to oh shit. Mahomes and Allen are coming. Right. It wasn't Brady and that group. Again, I will say Brady can do more with more. He can't do more with less. That's the thing I will argue. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Tom almost Brady landed the plane. You almost there's landed There's no it. way. There's oh. no way Tom Brady could get to the Super Bowl with that Bengals football team, or get to the divisional oh playoff god. game with the Bills football Listen, team. Listen, man. Yeah, Are I'm you sorry. serious? Oh hey, my god! No Damn way. It. Sims. We've
2: seen it happen. It. We've Damn seen it. Sims. We've seen it. Look, hey Tom. Hey Tom Brady got to a Super Bowl with the 31st ranked defense in
0: football in 2011, and your Giants. With more Giants things. beat them. They all. You're like Joe Burrow. I get they all got talent around them, some more than others, but they all have talent around them. None of them, none, oh, of, none of them is is is, throwing, is catching their own passes. Like oh, no. Allen's Alan got the least amount of talent around him out of anybody in the top four.
1: But yes, to me Who? right now, again, Allen no, has the listen. least amount of talent. Allen, Josh Allen the the has a,
0: out of the top four. Alan, they made Allen in the last. What are you talking about, Ali? No, what I, I'm not arguing with that one. Alan, they made Allen in the last. That's why he's Alan the best running back. Allen
2: has the least. Josh Allen it, has in the everything around
0: him. I wouldn't okay, say in everything. in the top four. I wouldn't say everything. I Josh like his talent. I out of I the top four. By comparison to the top four, to Burrow, Diggs, compared to what Burrow has. He doesn't have
1: Michael Holley. He, you're going to say he has Jamar Chase, Higgins, Joe Mixon, and, and Boyd? I saw. Or you're going to say I he's going to... I Davis is nice. In the uh, Gabriel, Championship nice. game with four touchdowns.
0: But Josh Allen is all running. Michael Holly. There was yeah. a
1: whole other 18 games where he had 500 yards for the rest of the year. That's true. Okay? He's not in the class of Tyree Kill, Kelsey, cole Hardman. He's got Dawson Knox, who you can't even bring up his name. You're just sawing him a good tight end. I, I know he's got a good tight end. I just can't remember <laughs> his name. He ain't Travis Kelsey right. or C.J. Azuma. So he ain't that good. I can't remember his he's name. He's got no, the I worst can't. talent around C.J. him out of all
0: the four. Know. Yes. He's, he's, he's C.K. Yeah. yeah. Chris all right
2: and, and by see the way you guys
0: Sims good Sims great Chris, stuff Yankee suck Yankee hey, Chris thank you, you, you thank you. you you do more with less every day Chris so especially on this show thank so, you so thank buddy you. <laughs> thank
1: you <laughs> I'll see you guys have
0: a good weekend see you soon you too we understand the specifics
2: of how we need to approach the game from Physicality perspective, our, our our game plan adjustments from game five to game six, understanding what the building is going to feel like, you know, and that energy and being prepared for it. So you got to remind yourself of that as much as you can before the game starts. But at the end of the day, once you get out there, you have to just be in the moment. You got to be, you know, present as much as possible. Not worry about the consequences of a win or a loss is all the only opportunity you have is, is, is that 48 minutes. Um, and the more you can kind of trick your mind into just being in the moment and staying there, that's the best advice I can give anybody in that situation because um, it's going to be the hardest game you've probably ever played in your career.
0: I would like to have a
4: big night and win the game, but, you know... It doesn't matter what any of us do individually. The main goal is just to win one game. So I don't want to put any extra pressure on myself to live up to my name. I just want
0: to go out there and play free. Trust my teammates and I know great things will happen if I do those two things.
2: All right, Tom Habistro, you got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson talking about the dynamics of being present and what it takes to close out a team in a seven game series. We're present right now, the three of us. So you tell me, how do you feel right now? And who do you think is going to come out of this game victorious?
3: Yeah, at this point, I think it's got to be the Warriors. I said Warriors in six before the series, and nothing that I've seen in this series would dissuade me from that opinion. I mean, right now, Stephen Curry's averaging 30 points a game, and even though he was 0 for 9 in game five, I don't think anyone on that Boston Celtics team is excited to see him in this game. And the thing about Steph Curry is, man, even when he doesn't shoot well, the team is so much better by virtue of just him being on the floor. He was 0 for 9 from downtown in game five. And yet, with all the attention paid to him, the fact that they were face guarding him, the fact that they had to double him up and get the ball out of his hands or have two guys, you know, contesting his shots, he was 0 for 9. But that attention alone frees up everybody else. It goes four against three in that Warriors offense. And that's why Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson had good games. So a lot of that attention paid to And Even if he didn't shoot well from downtown, he with them on with him on the floor. The Golden State Warriors had at 119 points per 100 possessions offensive rating. To put that in perspective, the average offensive rating in the NBA this season was 110. So if Steph Curry against the best defense in the NBA by far is 0 for 9, and they're still having a ridiculous scoring output with Steph Curry on the floor that speaks volumes to how much attention he's being paid. And I think he's going to shoot better than 0 for 9 here in game 6 and I expect the Golden State Warriors playing on the fatigue of Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. I think they win game 6.
0: The phrase the next one is going in was invented for Steph Curry. Um, But what else the other thing that doesn't get enough attention um, and I was talking about this earlier because the Warriors over the course of this entire dynastic run, it's been about the glitz and the glamour, not necessarily the grit and the grind. It's been about the style over the substance. Uh, they're a yeah. great defensive team. They're a great defensive team, a tough team, a physical team. Mike Brown has done a masterful job when it comes to coordinating this year's uh, Warriors defense. Why don't people talk enough, specifically as it relates to this series? about what golden state is doing to boston on the defensive end as opposed to what boston is doing to itself on the offensive
3: end well defense is not sexy right like yeah defense wins championships but people don't want to talk about defense on the big shows right they don't want to talk about it on podcasts because it's harder to pay attention to what the defense is doing and it's you know more fun to talk about steph curry and scoring Right
0: Or point the finger at Boston, like Boston's choking or, you know, they're throwing the ball away. Yeah.
3: Right. Like, I think what's fascinating about Andrew Wiggins and his defense against Jason Tatum that I don't think enough people talk about. We talked about this on the Underdogs podcast that I do with Levitard is that when Andrew Wiggins is guarding Jason Tatum, he's shooting 37% Jason Tatum, which is the same that he's shooting overall in the series. So you go, okay, Andrew Wiggins when he's guarding Jason Tatum big what the key here is he's defending without fouling when Andrew Wiggins is defending Jason Tatum. He defends him so smartly and with all the strength of Andrew Wiggins and the size and the bounce ability, but without any of the mistakes and fouling Jason Tatum when Wiggins is guarding Tatum. Tatum has only two free throws this series two count him two, when Wiggins is not guarding him, he has 30 free throw attempts, okay? So that is such a dynamic thing in this series is Andrew Wiggins defending and locking down Jason Tatum without sending him to the free throw line, which, by the way, yeah. buys him some time, gets him some rest, gets him a breather. Andrew Wiggins is just bringing it defensively and everyone arous- around them revolves around that one-on-one matchup. And Draymond Green and Kavon Looney excellent defenders Draymond Green one of the most underrated defenders of all time he might be the best defender of this generation they had the second best defense in the NBA this regular season only behind the Boston Celtics but Andrew Wiggins has really stepped it up against Jason Tatum guarding effectively without fouling in the NBA finals in his first appearance in the finals that's really impressive and not not enough people to talk about that
2: where do you, you start two this references. generation I'm not I'm trying I'm trying not to get distracted I'm trying not to get distracted Where do you start this generation when you say Draymond Green is the best (laughs) defender of the generation? Those things just always get my attention, Tom. I'm sorry. So I just want to know your context.
3: All right, so since, let's say, 2010, so post-Tim Duncan, post-KG in their primes, I mean, you can go back, you could say, I mean... Draymond green his defensive versatility one through five and his ability to guard the post he's so strong and so smart there and with all these championships like look around that that defense who else is elite elite like all defense all nba defense it's draymond green right clay thompson was a good lockdown offender three three and d guy before the injuries but draymond is just so smart he has everybody on a string to me, he's the best defender of this generation. Last what, ten, fifteen years? How about uh,
0: that? I, w- I, w- I mean, I just off the top of my head. No, no. Not, listen, I don't necessarily disagree. Rudy Gobert oh, or Kawhi LeBron. Leonard. LeBron. may wa- want to have a word, but I, the reason I, lo- I love the sentiment though is the versatility one. But like, he has been the linchpin of maybe on the cusp of a four-time championship-caliber defense. And the way that the Warriors are able have been able to play, whether you want to call it the Death Star or the Hamptons five or whatever nickname you want to give that lineup. Draymond is at center and Draymond is the one quarterback in that defense. But the other thing you said that got my attention, Stro, and you, and you referenced it twice, not quite in passing, but I'm sure it was intentional, is the fatigue factor and specifically with Jason Tatum. You you think that that's that that's an issue here, especially the way they finished uh, game five. And I know Emi Odaoka talked talked about it a lot. Is that an issue going into game six for you?
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think the stat is that he's played more minutes this postseason in fifty two days than anybody in NBA history. More minutes in that fifty two day span no one's ever done this before and you're asking a lot with the shoulder injury that he's suffered recently and like the scoring they don't have a point guard on this team Marcus Smart is the nominal point guard but look we, we've watched this series long enough to know that they have a real problem generating efficient shots so that that whole shot creation and efficiency it's falling on Jason Tatum's shoulders and that's a bum shoulder too so yeah I do think that fatigue is hurting him put this that Um, In your head and just like chew on this one is the fact that he is 30% shooting on twos in this series 30% on twos that's not normal Jason Tatum like he can get to the cup but in this series he's pulling up short and hitting a lot of fadeaways and he's not able to get to the free throw line as much as he'd like credit to Andrew Wiggins and the defense but the fact he has zero dunks and he's shooting 30% on two speaks to the fact that he isn't getting that energy to get all the way to the rack. And I think Andrew Wiggins is doing a good job, but Jason Tatum, man, I don't want to make excuses for him, but no one has had this kind of load on them in terms of minutes in a short amount of span than, than what we're seeing with Jason Tatum.
2: Bum ankle and bum wrist. Just want to point that out too. Uh, he's, He's had a wrist injury. So uh, I, think, I think it's more, I would go more injuries than fatigue. But as I said to Mike earlier, Tom, don't want to hear about it right now. Game six, you gotta, just got to figure it out if you're Boston.
3: Yeah, and Ime Adoka, like, usually when fatigue is brought up with coaches at this point in the season, they just brush it off. They say, hey, no one's 100% at this point in the season. Everyone's tired. Everyone's fatigued. And when he was asked about it, he said, yeah, I think fatigue is playing a part in it. You know, it's very rare to hear a head coach do that. But to me, that's a signal that like they're having discussions in the back room. How can we get you fresher? Where can I buy you minutes? Where can I buy you time in his finals? Because it's very rare. You guys know when a coach talks about fatigue and and a player being tired at this point that you don't normally hear that.
0: Hey, um, you don't normally with the Warriors potentially going for, you know, getting a fourth championship in eight years tonight. Uh, or the Celtics force in the Game 7, you wouldn't normally go away from NBA Finals talk a couple hours before a tip-off. But I think uh, the Christian Wood acquisition on the part of the Mavericks is significant enough to talk about a team that's not playing right now. That was close to getting here in Western Conference Finals and has aspirations on getting here with Luka. But Christian Wood, like a 19-9 and 9 and damn near 40% from three, 50% from the field guy. I know he's not great defensively, but that is a monumental pickup for the Mavericks, is it not?
3: It's a good pickup, but I, I wonder about Boban being gone and how Luka feels about that, his best friend on the team and a guy that he vibes with constantly. And I think Goran Dragic has got to be coming down to Dallas now because his his Slovenian teammate, his boy, uh, he's a free agent. And I think Bobon being gone, like you want to make Luca happy. Right. And making Luca happy does entail giving him another guy who can get, get the rock, get the rock and score. And he, and that's Christian Wood. Like, I like his scoring creation, like his shot creation and his ability to score at a high level efficiency, efficiently. My question is, can he play playoff basketball? Christian Wood is a really good story, a dude who for, went from veteran minimums bouncing in and out of the NBA to getting, you know, a, basically a 20-point score in the league. But to me, how do how do you, how did the Mavericks get Christian Wood to be a playoff level defender? Because that's, what's going to happen. He's going to score his points in the regular season. But what Luka Doncic needs is a two-way guy in the post who can defend and score at a high level. Christian Wood is a good fl- flyer. Like he he's an expiring contract. He's done after the 2023 season. I'd like this move from Dallas, but to me, I haven't seen yet Christian Wood delivering in the postseason. That's my biggest question mark. And for yeah. the Houston Rockets, it's fine, Alperin Şengün. It's his time. Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren. We'll see which one they select at the number three. But to me, it's all about Alperin Şengün. I love this dude, this teenager from Turkey. He had a great rookie season. I think it's his time to shine, and the Christian Wood deal does that for them.
0: Once upon a time in Houston, it was about James Harden delivering in the postseason, or as the case may be in Philadelphia, not delivering in the postseason. By the way, Christian Wood, Giannis Embiid, Jokic, Cat, Sabonis. And Christian Wood, the only players, averaged 19.9 on 50% shooting over the last two seasons. But Harden, there's also some hard news out there that it looks like it's going to be uh, a short-term extension in Philadelphia. Um, is that how could I put it? Is that the Sixers making the bed that they have no choice but to sleep in as comfortable as possible?
3: To me, it's all about that fatigue. We talked about Jason Tatum and the ability for him to get in shape. He hasn't proved that he deserves, you know, the full max, right? And I think they're going to have to meet at the halfway point here in terms of his age. Like, he's getting so much older than what his age suggests because of how he performs over the length of the postseason. We, I think when you look at James Harden, like, he should be happy if he's getting that type in, like, two or three years, Um if he can get that at a max level and near max level because what we've seen in the market right marketplace for James Harden like You got to be worried about those wheels. You got to be worried for a guy who doesn't give you anything defensively, how he's going to perform at this stage of his career. And you see it with Chris Paul, you see it with LeBron James. I trust them to age gracefully as they hit their mid to late thirties. Right. I don't trust that with James Harden, considering his lifestyle and his performance in the past. I just don't see him getting them to that next level, unless he completely changes things. And maybe a short-term contract will give him that kind of incentive to perform at yeah. a high level and, and compromise with the Daryl Morey uh, regime.
0: All right. Hey, Stroh, we appreciate you, man. Uh, next time we talk to you, might be off of Game 7, or we might, like I said to Michael earlier, be talking about where Steph ranks, uh, you know, where uh, where the Warriors' dynasty ranks, hypothetical matchups, all the fun stuff we love talking about with you.
3: Appreciate hey you, Hey, man, play, Steph's right? already top 10 in my book. You know that. You know that. He's already no top doubt. 10 whether he wins tonight or not.
0: No question. No question. Maybe, we'll, right, see, bro, we'll see if we people get, it, bump him up with another championship in the finals MVP potentially. Michael, you said it earlier. Um, it is a great day to be in Boston. a uh, Boston sports fan to be working in Boston sports media. You have the U.S. Open taking place at the Country Club in Brookline uh, with the subplot may not even be a subplot of the PGA tour versus the live tour. And then you got game six closeout game. Maybe the Warriors Whew. win a, a, a fourth title in eight years in the hallowed halls of TD garden in Boston. <laughs> so you got the, you got the U S open, you got the NBA finals, who better than to break down both to say nothing of the state of HBU, HBCU sports the state of collegiate sports name, image and likeness than that man. Two-time NBA champion, former six man of the year and now current student athlete at North Carolina, A&T, a a walk on golfer with a 4.0 GPA last semester. What can't this man do? J.R. Smith is here with us. Ladies and gentlemen, good to see you, man. It's, it's really good to see you. We want to talk to you for a long time ever since. Uh, you walked on at North Carolina a and liberal studies major, by the way. Um, and now you're here on the day of the U.S. Open, T and off, as well as the NBA Finals. So perfect timing. With a Red Sox hat, no less. Um, yeah. First thing first, man, <laughs> since you are a student athlete now, I'll ask you this two-part question. How are your grades this semester? And how is your golf game right now?
4: Uh well first of all, thank you, man. I appreciate uh being on here thank with you. you too, man. I really, you know, I watched y'all, you know, obviously most of my career and you know, watch y'all come through y'all until y'all own a lot. Of, so I appreciate being a uh being a part of this. Um honestly. Thank you, man. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh for me, honestly, my grades slipped a little bit. I got a three eight this uh this past semester. Oh,
0: slacker. Oh.
4: A 3.8, goodness gracious. You know, it's funny, man, because I see the bar so high for myself, man. I really like my goal is to get a 4.0 every semester. And that's how serious I took it. And uh, I was really disappointed, but I at the same time i kind of knew it was coming because i, I kind of slacked off because i had so much stuff going on with my kids and just trying to finalize everything with moving and situating myself um it kind of fell into into the back end of the year but not, not to make no excuses it's, it's still uh, obviously a good you know gpa to have but i i, I get my i set the uh, goals a little high for myself and um, that's just where i'm at with that school um golf it comes and goes, man. I played in a little pro am, or not pro am, but like a little member uh, guest situation uh, yesterday, and I I played terrible. And the day before that, I was playing lights out. So, and golf comes and goes, you know. Just trying to hone us in on the, on the bad shots. It's crazy because being a shooter and coming from a a game like basketball, where I know if I shoot it the right way, I shoot this arc, I shoot it with this touch. I've done it for so long, I know when it's going to go in and when it's not. And then on a golf course, I don't have that that I can't rely on that, um, you know, those feelings because I haven't done it enough. And uh, sometimes the ball go, it feels good and the ball ain't going nowhere, and it feel bad and the ball is going somewhere. So, you know, I was just trying to find the middle ground with it.
2: No, it's just so interesting to hear you talk about it because, you know, over your 16 seasons in the NBA, I'm sure at every step of the way, there was an aspect of your game that you wanted to work on. You wanted to improve and the improvement happened. And now it's on to something else. How about golf? Is there an aspect of the game where you say, I really need to get better at that to go to the next level as a golfer?
4: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, course management. You know, a lot of these, uh, and I, I call them kids because to me, I mean, 18, 19 years old, uh, that's, that's pretty much what they was calling me when I was coming out of high school. So, but I'm, I'm, these are my peers now and watching them and they've been, them being around the sport like I was playing basketball at three years old, they've been playing golf since they was three, four, five years old. So they, it's tricks to the trade that they know about, whether it be playing the ball below your feet, above your feet, which way to win, direction, all of that. Plays into account, so trying to pick up those tricks and really hone us in on uh, on my course management more than anything, because the swing is going to be what's going to be. You're going to hit good shots, you're going to hit bad shots, but if you can miss in in the right spot of the course and play the course the right way, it'll be it'll make the uh, the game a lot easier on yourself. So for me, I would say, if anything, course management.
0: There's so much uh, to your story. I mean, just starting with you reinventing yourself. Um, you know, and, and going back to school, uh, post career. So many professional athletes, as you know, struggle with their transition. You know, you go and walk on as a student athlete at North Carolina A&T. So you have brought, uh, more attention. And this moment where there's a lot of energy around HBCUs, you're bringing more attention to HBCUs, uh, a, a black golfer, a black collegiate golfer. You know, the numbers, as you know, from experience is like at a lot of black schools, the golf teams. Are predominantly white. You know what I mean? It's still a a very white sport. Um, Your name, image, and likeness deal that you struck with uh, Lululemon, I believe. I mean, there's just so much uh, that you're influencing just by going back to school and being a student athlete. How do you feel about and how are you embracing this role as an ambassador, as somebody who is potentially bringing uh, more young black people to the game of golf as, a, as somebody who's shining the spotlight on HBCUs or just, you know, the idea of an athlete reinventing himself. Like, J.R. Smith, you know, as, as we see him now, long way from the shirtless celebrations when I last talked to you post-2016, man. Like, just where are you now and how are you embracing this, these multiple roles and these multiple hats that you're wearing?
4: Oh, well, the the, the the speaker on the first part, you said, you know, when, when when players go from you know retirement and finding that lapse. I went through that that state of depression and that 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 trying to find my self worth and who I am and because uh, I'm much more than just a basketball player, obviously, you know, and trying to but me trying to figure out what am I actually good at? What do I like? What do I enjoy? What do I other than just being able to play a game that I've played forever and now you can't do it no more at the at the level that you want to do it anyway um for that for that for me that was like it, it took me months man maybe even a year like after we even when we won that championship in the bubble i was still in the situation because i came in at the end and i was working out every day you know trying to hope you know the hard work pays off and all of that and the opportunities weren't coming so uh, initially, I was doing, you know, going to school, talking to Ray Allen, uh, doing it to get, you know, better myself, but also uh, do something better with my time, other than just using my body as as my talent, as my skills, my my way of uh, people, how people know who I am. So when I first went to school, it wasn't even, I didn't even think about, you know, inspiring. The whole, you know, culture of African Americans to change, trying to change that narrative, it, it kind of grew on me as I started, get, as I got into school and started learning what I was learning, um, messing with my tutors and my professors. It was just like everything started clicking. It was like, damn, like. So many, between HBCUs and the underappreciation for college sports and African-Americans and and the game of golf, and it just all came into fruition. It was just like, okay, this is my calling, because it's something not only am I passionate about, I'm passionate about other kids who look like me and having the opportunity to not face those people walking into those country clubs like I did Cause when I first came in, everybody was like, okay, he got tattoos. He ain't gonna be able to hit the ball. There's all so many different stereotypes of of who you are, who I am as a person just walking down the street, let alone coming into a country club. And when they see that, it's already like quote unquote intimidating, but they know they have the upper hand because they've been in it longer. They they own the country clubs, they own the land and everything. So for me, it was just like, damn, like how do how do I make sure like I want my girls to play golf. I got four beautiful girls I and mean, these young black women who are already underappreciated and they're as women, let alone sports. So how do I make a bigger impact for them as well as my nephews that I got coming up behind me and people who, you know, really inspired by myself. So, um, and it, it actually worked, man, cause it, my, my kids grades shot through the roof. We were, we got into a, a little competition battle between my 13 year olds <laughs> Uh, comparing GPAs and quizzes and test scores and um, for me that's like the, been the biggest joy of everything I've done you know be, winning six man winning championships and you know granted they weren't of age at the time to really understand the, what you know the value of everything that was going on in my professional career but being able to understand what what they're going through whether it be schoolwork when i when I was coming up and fourth fifth grade I, you couldn't get me to sit still in the classroom you couldn't get me, high school you couldn't get me to go to class and now it's just like okay this is this is like some i i i revisited some of the insecurities that i felt Through them as as being 13 year old little girls and you know stepping up in class speaking and public speaking is like I do it all the time doing interviews and stuff like that but I was I was coached that I was taught that and now actually going through it and seeing them have insecurities of raising their hand because they don't know the answer to the question that the teacher asked and that's a real fear you know and having that and being able to tutor with you know college kids and have those professors in classes and whatnot and them even see me raising my hand because I don't know and I'm 36 and I'll be the first one to tell y'all I don't know everything and th- when they see me they're like you ask them like you yes it's okay to ask questions it's all right. right if you really want to know the answer you gotta this is how you That's go about right. it. so from that perspective, man, it's been a journey that I, I really cherished and I don't take for granted because it's, again, it's, it's for me, it's more enlightening and more uplifting than anything I did on the basketball court because I'm bringing a, a, a culture of people who look like myself and making it cool to go back to school and do and be successful yeah. in school. Not only just be successful in your sport, but be able to go to, go to, your class with no i'm gonna get an a in this class you know i'm not just gonna go try and score 30 points tonight i'm gonna get an a in this class i'm gonna ace this i'm gonna ace this test i'm gonna ace this quiz and changing that narrative like damn this is gonna be tough this is gonna be hard this is time consuming this is this is this, this and just try, try to speak more positivity into it because at the end of the day you're gonna get what you put out of it if i go in there and and bust my ass in these classes I'm gonna learn everything that I wanna do so I can implement that for them later. That's that's
0: beautiful. uh,
2: That's a great answer. You know what, JR, I'll I'll tell you a true story. I wear glasses. I started wearing glasses at 19. Why? Because that's right around the time I started college. That's when I actually started reading more deeply and studying harder. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, it was more work. I would say I learned while in college. To figure, to, to I learn how to prepare better and to really go through a study process. How about you? I mean, you look at this four zero. You're back in college. You get a four zero immediately. What is your process? How did you get to that point? And, and just t- just tell us how you got through it.
4: Uh, well, for me, I had I get out my schedule. My schedule, like we had practice in the, every day at three o'clock, from three to six, and from eight a.m to about 10 a.m. I got tutoring classes. I I, I take online with a tutor. And after that, you know, depending on who she's working with or if she's got time, normally i work on the rest of my assignments and stuff on my own or whatnot. But... If she's working with, you know, one of these, one of the guys she's struggling with, trying to c- continuously keep him going to class, I'll jump in on, with a session on her just to show him, like, listen, bro, you're not by yourself. Like, I'm 36, I'm going through the same thing with these, r- struggling writing these papers and all of this stuff too. And it really it, it showed me a different side because I seen the spark in them and, and seeing how they received received that same information that she was given, but from me because it whatever reason because i'm jr smith or i got a name or whatever you know people always you it's never right when you know i tell my, my mom says it all the time my dad was my dad tells her something she goes out the window but then somebody else tells her something she listens it's like okay i see what's going on you know what i'm saying so it's uh it's it's a gift and a curse you know because i shouldn't have to use who i am as my status level to to encourage you but if that's what it takes then it's it's gonna help so i I just try to use it to the best of my ability but my um yeah my 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 days are packed man it's nothing but classes because i got, I struggle with a, a adhd and uh, dyslexic so i it takes me forever to you know read papers and write write with my thoughts down and stuff like that so i really struggle with that so for me wow. it takes me just as twice or three times as long as the, the, the average person so i really gotta sit there and dissect it and do all of that with my tutors and whatnot and um and you know what Bef- a lot of you know before even playing on teams with with different guys, I used it as a crutch. Like, I never spoke on it. I would never, I was so insecure about it. I never wanted to tell anybody that I I had trouble reading out loud or I was insecure about my disabilities, you know, because I felt that made them superior to me, you know? And and in fact, you know, now it empowers me to make sure that, you know, the next kid who has a God-given talent ability, like I do, make sure his insecurities doesn't lack in those areas because that's a, I think that's a major part of your development. A lot of the things that I've went through, you know, and not to use that as an excuse, but things that I went through earlier on in my career, getting a bunch of money, having so much free time and space. With somebody who's like myself. I was everywhere. I was going here. I'm going there. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Instead of focusing on the task at hand. So another thing about college, it helps you think. It makes you it makes you think in, in different perspectives. That's one of the reasons why I want to do liberal studies, because I wanted to get a different opinion of something of what not only is just of mine, because I'm a very strong mind. I have a very strong opinion on how things work and how, you know, other things are uh, intertwined. So for me, having an outside perception and being or outside thought from somebody else who can give it to me and I can actually digest it and understand and not just be so stubborn with it like, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. And really look at it from their perspective as well.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I wanted to touch on with you, man. Is it's like because I got a 16 year old, um, o- well, my oldest is 16. I got three and we're starting to discuss college. And, you know, I'm just really trying to encourage her like to not necessarily focus on like what you think you want to major in or what you think you want to do at this age or even, you know, where you might want to live. I wanted to go and have a a fulfilling and fruitful and enlightening experience and just kind of go and just grow as a person when it comes to her perspective, her understanding. And I wonder for you, man, like, you know, you you, to go back to school as an adult given the life that you've already led, how have you grown in how you think and, and how you see the world, your worldview, your paradigm, all those different things, just your thought process, how have you evolved being a college student and not just being a college student, but like going all in on your studies the way you have?
4: Uh, I, be, I think I've evolved in the biggest way as a father, more than anything. Um, my being being a professional athlete, anybody, you know, anybody tell you we're always... In and out, gone or whatever else, and you know the moms always gotta you know hold the fort down. And for me, being you know learning and being around these kids, and I speak to them oftentimes about you know why are you doing this? Who's your influence, or what's your uh, what's your purpose of going to school? Is it just to make money and all of these things? And a lot of people, and I and I hear from a lot of people is the pressures from their parents, whether it be sports, whether it be academics, whether it be whatever they think they're passionate about or whatever their parents think they're passionate about. And for me, I just want my kids to be happy. Like you were saying, I don't want you to just try and figure out everything right now because it didn't work like that for me. And I'm definitely not expecting that to work like that for you. So, uh, but my growth process with the, with, with the school, man, it's been, it's been monumental because again, I get to look at things with different perspectives. like. Uh, the way I just, and I go back to a lot of the things to what I did as I was playing and how I carried myself as a quote unquote businessman because, you know, your word is everything. And a lot of times, you know, and and in, in that light, in that stratosphere, people let it, let you get away with not holding up to your word. And <clears throat> for me, that was one thing I really had to hone this in. Like, no, if I give somebody my word, I'm gonna do something. That's what I'm gonna do, whether it be Whether I told him it was going to be, he going to go bungee jumping and I watch him, or I just got to go pick him up and ride with him or whatever. You know what I'm saying? it's just, that type of integrity, um, it it really showed an impact on me because these people aren't just, I've been catered to majority of my life. And when you go to college, when you go off, you know, their, their job isn't to cater to. you. The job is to teach you how to be an adult. The job is to teach you how to go about your day, how time management and all of that. So I skipped that and escalated straight to, OK, you got a profession. You just here two, three hours a day and you, the rest of the time you do what you want to do. You pay your own bills, taxes, all this other stuff. All right, I hire this guy. I do this and that. So I really was just out here aimlessly not moving around without knowing everything about life like i was when i remember i was about 30 years old 32 years old i would still go get nervous going into a bank asking them for my money you know what i'm saying and it's just like having those conversations those going to the bank like literally listen this is what i want to do instead of and having that insecurity of it feeling inferior because this is something you haven't done you know i haven't i haven't had to fill out uh 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 a job application. That was never been never happened to me. I never went I never worked in McDonald's for two weeks and got fired because the dude didn't like me or I never had to go through those situations. So a lot of those situations that people learn from eighteen to twenty two to twenty four in a in a college experience or just regular life, I didn't have that. I was just, I went to from, you know, this kid from Newark, New Jersey to boom. 18th pick New Orleans, he's the po- most popular kid in the city, bunch of money, whatever, whatever, all right, he, do, do your thing, you know? And it was just like, and my dad, you know, fortunately I'm, I'm one of those kids who had both parents growing up. My dad lived with me my first year and he was trying to grow me. But again, you 18, 19, what is somebody else going to tell you, whether it's your dad or not, you got money. Listen, you always told me I got my own roof. I can do what I want. All right, cool. I got mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? and i wasn't and i still wasn't in that stage you know so it, it, for me the biggest the best thing i've ever did was was go out of high school and then come back because when i came back i was able to grow as a as a man and so many different uh layers that i was immature at and then when i talked to my when i used to talk to my parents or talk to my dad or talk to my siblings and my friends and my boys and they go through things i'm sitting there like damn we really gotta Like you gotta do this, you gotta do that. You gotta sit on the phone with the electric man and do this. I don't. I ain't never done that.
0: (laughs) Adulting,
4: yeah. Like adulting, literally adulting. Like I never. I ain't gotta sit here waiting in the house for no AT and T dude to get here to come set my internet up. That zone was already set up before I got there. When I leave, my bags is already packed. Everything is already good. You know, and you live on. You so used to living in quote unquote first class, everything else is second nature. So when I. Well, for me, third nature. Because when I got to it, it was just like, oh, whoa. Like, I, I was something I wasn't used to. But I, I'm I'm fortunate because I'm still here to talk about it and be in a situation to to have the talent and be blessed to be able to do the things I'm doing. And I, yeah. I, again, I don't take that for granted at all because I know, you know, so many other people who've been in my shoes and whether it be, you know, who was better than me in high school and didn't make it to the league or who made it to the league and was out of the league in two years or whatever the case, being able to persevere over, over time. And sometimes I don't know how it happens, but I just know it's a bigger cone. That's good stuff.
0: Mike, what you got? I can talk to this dude all day. I, I was I was I going I, I, I to make a we, pivot we should... to... Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead Mike. Well, I
2: was going to say, look, Hey, hey! Look, uh, Mike. You start off the top talking about golf and basketball in Boston. The yeah. intersection U.S. Open is here. NBA Finals Game Six. Uh, I know you've been keeping up with the NBA Finals. A very simple yeah. question: Who do you like tonight between the Warriors and Celtics?
4: So I, I, I had the Warriors picked in six. Um, I didn't, I didn't see the series going the way it did. I thought they would have more control over it early. Um, and then Boston not losing what two back to back, and and they being and they being at home. Um, I think it's a lot of. That's a lot of. Uh, I won't say pressure, but that's a, like a that's a, that's enough to to get you to a game seven. Um, I, they got they got the talent. It's just a matter of. To me, it's just a matter of Wiggins play. If, if Drew come and play, man, he he on his thing. Then the Warriors. there shouldn't even have been no series, but. Um, I, I, I would say I got the Warriors picked up. I got a question for y'all, though, because I, I know y'all want to oh, know you? Basketball, you know, but y'all are sports guys and I keep continuously keep getting asked this question. How do y'all feel about the PGA Tour and live Golf?
0: <laughs> I was going, I was going to ask you that. I was going, to ask that was that. me going to ask you that. I'm gonna ask okay, you, I'm <laughs> so I'm going to answer the tables have turned. Me. I mean, because Ma- Michael and I went at it the other day because like, okay, I yeah. see both sides. The last time we talked about this, Jr. was when um, the PGA uh, suspended the players who had gone and and participated in a live tour. I appreciated the PGA tour saying, you know what? You're not going to literally have your cake and eat it too. Like, you're not going to go and help this upstart league or this upstart tour at our expense and still get the benefits of being a tour member. Like, do what you got to do. Get your bag, but there's a price to be paid for it. I also understand that everybody does have a price. It's easy to say what you who you wouldn't take money from or what money you wouldn't accept until you offer 200 million dollars. The way uh, right. Phil Nicholson the got or 150 million 150 million dollars away. Dustin Johnson got so I get the people who say no, we don't want that Saudi Arabian money. We're loyal to the PGA Tour and I get the PGA Tour doing what it has to do, but I'm also not going to judge somebody for doing what they got to do. I would not personally want to be associated with the Saudi backed tour. But again, ain't nobody offered me $200 million to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get it. And you
2: know, and, and the other thing I said to Mike uh, Jr was this. Look, you know, the PGA Tour is well established. It's great. It's high profile, but any league you got to stay uh, if, whether it's a league in the pros or whether it's uh, college athletics with the uh, NIL agreements. You got to stay on top of it. You just can't assume because you've been doing it for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, that you just go keep doing business as usual. Competition comes from a lot of places, and this is just a way to make sure you stay on your P's and Q's. And, and you got to give players a reason beyond history. Give them a reason beyond history to say, Come here. Because you're going to oh, have yeah. competitors, and they're going to be throwing a lot of money, and it won't be Saudi money. And the next time, Hey, Mike and JR, maybe it won't be Saudi money. Maybe it'll be right. so called reputable money. And, th- and now these people will have a decision to
0: make. So, JR, what would you do? You're a player, you on the PGA tour, and somebody in the Saudi government or a Saudi backed tour offers you more money than Tiger Woods has made his entire career on tour. Would you have taken the money or would you just be like, nah, I'm PGA tour through and through?
4: Um. Me personally, uh, I, I understand the business side of it, so I would go to I would go to the live tour, you know, because at the for me, I've I've seen the other side of whether it be suspensions or things going on that you didn't agree with that you really don't have a say in. And when you making that type of money, I don't I don't see the especially if I'm an independent contractor. If I'm an independent contractor, don't hold me to mm-hmm. no to know, quote-unquote, moral standards. Because at the end of the day, all y'all morals ain't the standards of ours, if that's the case. Especially from a from a sport that's pre- known for not being the most acceptance of people of color. Like, to mm-hmm. me, that's the only... Like, that's where I, I get... uh um, hypocrisy there. Yeah, like, my thing is, like, let's not just act like all y'all money clean. Because you, when you... Like, it, it may be clean now, but when you started it off, When y'all got all this land and did all of this stuff, like, and we wasn't even allowed to play in your tournaments or play on your tour for a long time. Like, let's not, let's not act like all your money is clean. That's my only thing. Like, everything is, like, there's some people around here who not even showing their taxes. So you can't tell me everybody money good. That's what's up.
0: Hey, uh, your time is money and we got to let you go because we could do this all day, literally. I just got one last question. Uh, who have you played with lately that you want that you can name drop with us, you can share, or who would you love to have a foursome with? Who would you who be your dream foursome if you could?
4: Besides us, of course. Ah oh, man. Um I played with Mike not too long ago, man. That was amazing. That was that is was. It Jordan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I played with Mike. Man, that was like There it is. I felt like a little kid. <laughs>
2: Mike dropped right there. <laughs>
4: Nah, it I don't matter like who that, else is in that force so. yeah yeah it was, man it was like eight other people man might be playing with 10 people bro i never seen yeah. it before you got when you got your own course though you could do that but if i had a dream force so I would say mike tiger and my pops um my pops my pops and my brother was playing golf earlier on and uh, my brother got all these trophies and stuff and he used to hold it over my head when I come home i like I don't care I don't even play golf bro That's this corner yeah <laughs> Look yeah, at you my, now. Yeah, look at me now, right? And my pops used to play. So, um, yeah, I mean, he don't he, he not as mobile as he used to be, but just to have him right around the cart with those legends and talk stories. And, yeah, uh, that'll be great.
0: Hey, Jr., you ace this man. We can't thank you enough. Thank yeah. you for the time. This was fun. Appreciate you, you man, and, and proud thank of
4: you. Appreciate your higher
0: learning. sequel. It's like higher learning starring Jr. Smith, man. Wow. <laughs> what, what a story. What a story. Appreciate that. North Carolina A&T's Academic Athlete of the Year, J.R. Smith. Dog, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I'm 504 through and through. But I stopped being a Saints fan after they lost for the second consecutive year at home in the playoffs. They lost 36 to 20 to the Eagles after they were leading 23 at halftime. And I said, I can't take that heartbreak no more. But I still put on for my city. And I may have to find a way to put on this Saints helmet. Oh, yeah, this alternate black helmet is dope boy. Oh, my God, bro. Bruh. Bruh, like they just decided <laughs> to just be the coldest helmet in the league like overnight. That shit cold. Though. Phenomenal. Get, I, I need that in my life. Okay, that's a yep. helmet right there. There are helmets and then there's
2: that.
0: I always do like, like the black like uniforms.
2: Woo. Just so just so we don't we don't get tired of it. I don't know how you get tired of that, but just so we don't get tired of it. They should bring it out one time a year only like once a year, not like three or four games. I don't want. I never yeah. want people to get used to it. I want you to look like to look forward to it. Oh, where's that? Where's that one black helmet game? Because that thing is man. exquisite.
0: Is not it though? It is Oh man. I'm, I'm conveniently a Saints fan for purposes of this segment. <laughs> I'm a Saints fan. I'm a Saints fan with that. People in New Orleans be mad at me. I'm like dog. I didn't grow up with the ain'ts, but back then it was a lot of heartbreaking and and disappointment in the playoffs. You can't run away from heartbreak. It makes you stronger. Embrace.